Welcome back, guys, to the JPS podcast. And in today's episode, I'm honored to have Sumi Singh, owner of Shyla Fitness, which is named after her daughter. She's the author of multiple ebooks. She's a fitness model, powerlifter, and has been lifting since she was 12. So she has many, many years of experience. And in this episode of the podcast, we talk about female fitness, how to break dogma. We also discuss how to set an example for younger generations and specifically resistance training for mums. Also, we talk about the importance of gaining phases for females as well as discussing the benefits of powerlifting for women. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get into it. Sumi, the first thing I wanted to talk to you today about was female fitness in general and excuse me, breaking dogma. So I'm sure that, you know, as an aerobic and fitness instructor, um, you know, that you would have heard a lot of women, um, you know, be fearful of lifting weight or have some preconceived uh, ideas and misconceptions about, you know, what it takes to achieve the, you know, the physique that they want to obtain. And that's usually quote unquote, toned, um, which is, you know, um, having a certain level of musculature, you know, in particular areas, losing body fat, things like that. Um, so how do you go about, uh, broaching that topic, uh, when, you know, women are afraid to lift weights cause they think they're going to get big and bulky, uh, fearful mm-hmm. of eating protein and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll approach it from the perspective of where I see my clients coming to me. And for the most part, the majority of them are not that interested in getting big. So, I mean, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, their are general ideas. How do I get toned? And they actually understand that that's actually about the losing some body fat first. Mm-hmm. So they're actually pretty comfortable with, okay, if I have to lose a couple of pounds to get there and to have that certain shape. Um, and as far as breaking dogma, um, I come from a place where – you know, as an Indian, for instance, you know, women are not culturally um, attuned to wanting to get big. They want to have a nice shape. They want to still be feminine. So that's actually a good thing. Their concern is not that they're going to get big, actually. So, you know, it's not something I generally have to fight for. I think probably from your, maybe from your perspective, you might see a bit more of that, but not from the, not from the population I deal with, you know, moms and Indians in general. So... Awesome. Awesome. And in terms of the, you know, wanting to slim down, uh, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you would have seen uh, many females uh, attack this in quite an incorrect and probably unhealthy or unsustainable manner. So what's your advice to your clients when, you know, they they come to you and they're wanting to lose some fat um, Mm -hmm. and slim down a little bit? Um, when they previously, you know, think that they may need to cut out food groups, they might need to do excessive amounts of cardio. Um, how, how do you attack that? So I'll, I'll, I'll approach it from where they come from, which is they think that there's either a miracle diet or, you know, they've heard the latest fads. They're going to have to cut out entire food groups, for instance. And a lot of the marketing towards moms is like the quick fixes. So, you know, whether it's a certain brand that's, that's a miracle supplement that's supposed to help them shed weight really quickly. And I turn it around and say, like, there's no such thing as a miracle protein shake. I mean, it's all the same. You can read the label. It's, you know, it's a matter of calories, a matter of sufficient protein. And 
there's no magic to it. And the magic is if they can find something that they actually enjoy because they think that they have to suck down something that's terrible tasting. I'll say, you know, I want you to get a protein shake and they'll go to Whole Foods just because it's, it's Whole Foods. So it's, so it's healthy. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, they'll buy a brand that, that is absolutely terrible but because it was on sale at like Whole Foods, for instance, and they're stuck with it, they're like, no, protein shakes are terrible. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> There's so many delicious ones. It's a matter of trying one that actually suits your flavor preference, for instance. And that's, you know, and that's a matter of any kind of diet too. Like they think that they have to go ketogenic, for instance, just because it's right now it's super hot, but um, that's not the case. You know, you kind of point out, well, it's like, if you're going to eat this way, it's going to take this much fat. I mean, do you actually like to eat that way? And they're like, no, I don't want to eat that. I'm like, well, you don't have to. I mean, pretty much every single diet is going to be the same so long as they're creating a calorie deficit. And it really doesn't matter where it comes from as long as they're not cutting out protein because if they're interested in building muscle, they're going to have to have that, right? 100%, 100%. Adherence is definitely uh, something that's going to determine the success of a diet. And mm -hmm. as I advised uh, the listeners and you guys are following along uh, in the pre-show introduction uh, Sumi is a mother of her daughter Shyla and mm -hmm. something that I really uh, love about your approach uh, to fitness is that you want to be setting an example for her and you know um, you know almost breaking the rules so to speak and you know setting the bar so high that you know there is no ceiling to what's uh, possible in terms of you know your physical fitness and I really admire that so in terms of setting an example you know, what are some things that you uh, want to embody as a mother, as a fitness figure for other women and, you know, your daughter? What do you try to achieve, uh, you know, or set out to do on a daily basis when, you know, hey, they, these uh, young ladies are looking up to me. Um, yeah. This is what I've got to do to show them the road, so to speak. I think that's a great question. I love it. Um, number one is to role model. Because children suck it up. Mm -hmm. They are listening to everything and they're watching everything. Um, I'll go back to the example of how I was raised. I was very, very lucky to have parents that always role modeled good eating behavior and daily exercise. And it's different. Like they're raised in a different, you know, um, time when it was like, okay, they they may not have pushed the weights, but there was always something healthy at the dinner table. And we always sat down to eat dinner together. So it was always shared meals and there was always daily exercise. And so with, with my daughter, it's like, well, there are things that I'm always trying to do on a daily basis. Like we sit together and we have a meal because that's, that's getting lost, you know, in mm -hmm. today's society. We're all so busy when there's not, is it only a good time to communicate and catch up, but it's about, you know, always having something that I know that she's going to have a choice. And like, would you like to have this for dinner or that for dinner? It's like, there is always a healthy meal that's going to be prepared for. We rarely eat out and that's a matter of choice, you know, more so and, and budgeting as well. But try to do that on a daily basis. Um, and as far as, as the weight training goes, I, I don't believe in forcing children. I believe that, you know, if you, if you show that you're having fun and I actually run, um, a personal training business out of my home. So she sees my clients here at home and she sees me train and she's, you know, come to powerlifting meets and that kind of thing. So she sees that we're having fun and that fitness isn't something that's forced upon her. So, on her own accord, she'll be like, hey, I want to lift. I'm like, that's great. Let's go. Let's do it, you know? Um, so role modeling. Um, because I'm a single parent, um, she's always with me. So when we go grocery shopping, for instance, there's really no choice on her part. She's she's there. So she gets to make decisions and she gets to pick certain things she wants to eat. So um, I think that 
it's important to role model. And if, if I was to say, well, you should be eating this or you should be doing this on a daily basis, but not actually role modeling those behaviors, I don't think I'd have a very good case. So hopefully that, that lasts you know, for a lifetime for her. There's no saying she may turn out to be somebody different, but that's okay. She's not an extension of me. She is who she's supposed to be. So. Awesome. I really love that response. And I think, yeah, being a role model uh, and practicing what you preach, uh, you know, is something that is highly important when trying to, you know, pass on uh, certain traits, characteristics, and, you know, just behaviors in general. Um, and speaking to the point of, um, you know, when it comes time for her to, you know, attack the iron, so to speak, um, and, you know, when she starts being a little more interested in, you know, potentially shaping her body and all these sorts of things. Um, this is something I've been thinking about quite a lot lately. Some of the listeners may know that I'm a father um, of two young girls and I'm well away from uh, having to deal with these kind of uh, chats with them uh, just yeah. yet. But something I've been, uh, c you know, contemplating is, you know, how I'm going to approach, you know, uh, teaching my girls all about fitness, mm -hmm. nutrition, um, you know, body composition, body weight management, um, right. and these sorts of things, um, whilst also, you know, ensuring that they uh, accept their body, appreciate it, um, you know, have some self-respect and self-love. Uh, so how do you, uh, you know, balance these competing ideals, I guess? Right. Yeah, that, that body image thing is is such a stress, I mean, as a mother too. You see it everywhere in social media. And whether or not they're going to get it at social media, they're going to get it in school from their peer groups. So the least we can do is to not have it come from us. Mm -hmm. So I am not going to break myself down in front of her. I mean, I see it constantly because I have a lot of female clients who will come in and they will um, break themselves down into an assortment of parts. Like, what do I do about this? And what do I do about this? And, you know, different but we don't look at people that way, you know, and she and I will have conversations about it. You know, uh, she'll sometimes be like, well, what am I supposed to do about my tummy? But she's, she's very slender and she's talking about when she sits. So she has a role. I'm like, well, we all have those, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I'm the voices that we say, the things that we say are things that they pick up. So if I was a kind of the person, I don't weigh myself in front of her. I don't talk about um, the amount of calories and what I'm eating, you know, generally there, there's conversations about portion sizes. She say, how do I eat healthy? Okay. So the majority of your, your choices should come from healthy foods, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and you know, pr proteins, the same things that we eat. So, and you sure you can have junk food. Sure. You can have candy, but it's going to be like, you know, maybe 15 to 20% of your diet, not like the majority of your stuff should not be coming mm -hmm. from that sort of stuff. Um, as far as, um, uh, conversations about, you know, she'll, cause she, she is around me all the time. And so she'll hear some of the conversations, you know, the other women have here and they'll ask things about, you know, what do I do about, you know, cellulite for instance. And I'll be like, well, you know, we all have it. If you could just be like, this is part of being a woman, lumps and rolls and cellulite. It's, it's just a thing. It's not something to, uh, attach negativity to. Um, and that's the only kind of thing I think we can say as parents. Um, otherwise they'll, they'll look at themselves as a collection of this flaw and that flaw. And a lot of these flaws that you and I hear from people are perceived. They're not mm. even real or anything we would even notice unless somebody pointed it out. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I definitely uh, agree with you there. I don't weigh myself in front of my kids, right. even though they're only two and one and they probably don't understand. Um, my right. two year old, 
is very much a copycat, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Uh, yep. So I make sure that the scales uh, are not something that I use in front of her. And I think, um, yeah, it's one of those things. It's a case by case basis. But you know, my thoughts at this stage are, you know, to just uh, teach them as they go, um, and you know, answer questions as opposed to, you know, make making this uh, you know a part of their life um, unnecessarily. Um, yeah. or forcing it upon them, um, which I'm sure you know you're very aware of. Um, and what I wanted to move into next was, uh, you know, with a lot of uh, pressure from social media um, and you know the changes um, in the way that the world works in general now. Um, you know, our kids are going to grow up in a completely uh, different world to what we are, which is which is very scary. Um, but the pressure to look a certain way, um, and obviously everything that comes with social media, that just, that exposure to that, you know, idealistic physique is all the more prominent now than, uh, you know, it was when I was growing up and I'm sure when you were growing up, Sumi, uh, so moving, uh, forward, how are you going to, you know, manage, um, you know, your daughter's exposure on social media to, you know, the fitness industry, because this is, again, something that I've been thinking about. Um, how yeah. am I going to, you know, uh, teach her, you know, stemming from our discussion earlier, how am I going to teach her all these, you know, brilliant things that, you know, that fitness has taught me um, without, you know, having all the, I guess, the side effects of the fitness industry um, and that exposure to social media. So have you thought about that? You know, um, Yes, and that's a great question. You know, it was a couple of months ago, um, I posted a picture on Instagram and it was a prior to one of my weigh-ins for a powerlifting competition. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit lighter. Um, and it was, you know, it was, a, it was, I thought it was a great photo. I mean, I looked all. <laughs> you're allowed to, you're allowed to say that to me. You're allowed to say that. The lighting was great. You know, abs were popping. You know, I got tan. Everything looks fabulous. So I, anyway, I posted this photo on Instagram and uh, one person had said something like, um, and she commented on my photo and she said, um, he or she, I don't know who it was, just a random Instagram person said, oh, um, I used to like it. I used to like the way you looked before better. You were, you were so much cuter then, and now you just look like a man. And so I thought that was, I thought that was humorous. And, and so I had a bunch of people, one Instagram friends and Facebook friends just kind of commented and tore this person. I didn't say anything. You know, I, I teach and I, and I showed my daughter like the entire comment thread and I showed her the photograph. And of course that's her mom. She sees me like that all the time. You know, that's, she doesn't look at it as manly or whatever, or cute, or this is my mom. This is how she looks like, right? Yeah. And um, she's like, what are they talking about? And I'm like, you know, well, this is a good conversation to have. I'm like, this is, this is, um, it could, and I don't want to say bullying, that's the wrong word, but you know, this is social media and it's, it could be a cesspool, you know what I mean? Mm. And people, especially in our industry, are so used to commenting on uh, what you look like and the size of your body. And I said, you know, whether it's good or it's bad, it's not something for you to dwell on. So and it, we actually, we've had these conversations before. So in this particular one, she was pretty surprised. She's, you know, what are they talking about? I'm like, well, people can say whatever the heck they want. It doesn't matter to me. Like whether it's good or it's bad, it's not something for me to hold on to. If it's something that's something, it's a nice thing that somebody said, great. Well, you know, thank you for the compliment. And then you move on. And if it's something negative, well, whatever, that's not something I really care about. It's, you know, and, and again, again, with social media, you know, she's like, well, how come they're talking about your weight? Right. Cause it was about a weight. So I'm like, well, I compete in a federation and I compete in a sport where it's a weight class sport and this is part of it. And 
and and you know she's always you know she's she's always so curious when it comes time to weigh and she's like are you gonna grow back <laughs> don't lose your muscle so i think it's great we have we, we very frequently have conversations about taking up space i mean to her, it's a bad thing, not a bad thing, but it's, when, you, when you're smaller, it's not as good as when you're bigger. And I think that, that's a great way for a little mm-hmm. girl to be, is, you know, to take up space and to not worry about your weight unless, I mean, if, it's, if, if she thinks, in her opinion, if you're losing weight, it's not a good thing. So I like yeah. that. I really like that concept. Take up more space because, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's brilliant. And it's like as a father to a little girl, you know, they're 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 always taught to shrink away, but that's mm. not it. You know, you should be out there. You should be confident, and don't be afraid to speak your mind. Is what I try to tell her. So, it's, it is going to get worse, unfortunately. I'm sure. We just don't know what's going to be next, right? I mean, right now it's what Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook, and mm. who knows what it's going to be in the next ten years when they're mature. So. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, it's so frightening to think that. You know the uh, amount of uh, online communications and the the mediums by which our children are going to be able to interact and engage with people from all around the world. Um, you know, almost uncensored um, or unbeknown to us, uh, because mm-hmm. you know kids don't like to tell their parents everything, right? Um, it's it's alarming, and I think that you know to a large degree, it's something that has to be taught, and I think more education and awareness needs to be, uh, you know driven into young children um, you know, at an early age. And I think you know, if you're doing those kind of things uh, now or if you're a parent listening to this, then you know, it's, it's a great uh, place to start. Um, yeah. And then, and yeah. As, as, as parents, we, we're in control of setting the scenario. Like they do not, they absolutely do not have to have social media on their phones right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, my daughter is only 10 years old and she has friends who already have telephones. I mean, I, I cell phones. I, I'm not quite ready for that, and I mean, everyone's different in how they they police, you know, what sort of um, uh, electronics a child has. But I'm trying to keep that as minimum as possible. And, and at this day and age, they should be getting out there. They should be playing. They should be talking to friends. They should be reading. I mean, being stuck on social media is not how we grew up either. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. It's funny actually. Our daughter gets on the iPad from time to time. It's a treat, uh, you know, when she's, you know, obviously, you know, eating all the vegetables or, you know, been, been really well behaved. She gets, you know, 20, 30 minutes on the iPad. Um, and there's been a few occasions where we haven't, you know, monitored uh, very closely. Anyway, what she's been watching, like we'll set her up and she just starts watching and she's got YouTube Kids, um, which is obviously a filtered version of YouTube. And yeah. all of a sudden there's, you know, um, videos in completely different languages um you know with you know not that it's anything sinister it's probably very uh harmless but males you know playing with you know young babies and things like this in a different language it's like holy cow like you know um you know even little things like that you know showing her that it's okay you know for um you know to play with you know older men and stuff like that again I don't know the exact context of this video, uh, but it's just one example that, you know, you really do have to keep a close eye on things, um, you know, and especially uh, when they're a little bit younger. Yeah. Yeah. And something else I wanted to talk to you about, Sumi, was resistance training for mums. So my partner is obviously a mother of two, um, and she she crushes the iron. She's a bit of a a weapon. She did – three sets of six pull-ups yesterday, uh, body weight. So she, she, she lifts, 
she yeah. squats, you know, um, more than her body weight for reps and deadlifts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that I've seen uh, to be really challenging for her, which I guess is no surprise uh, to the many, many of the mothers and the females listening to this, um, is that time is of the essence. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. scheduling can be very, very difficult, even in, you know, uh, our podcast today. Um, you know, my daughter was teething, didn't go back to bed. Uh, I was late, you know, that could throw, if I was training, um, I'm fortunate that you're uh, very generous with your time, but if I was training or had work in an hour or so, I might not be able to get my session in, um, you know, for that reason. So how do you manage, you know, your female clients who have young children, um, you know, with their just unpredictable schedule right. due to their kids? Yeah, the, the number one thing I think you teach them is it, it doesn't take that much time. I mean, it really doesn't, especially if they're a beginner. I mean, if you can get them started, you know, 20, 30 minutes twice a week. I mean, if you can phrase it that way, like you just need this much, yeah. you know, to get started. And once once they've gotten past that phase of like, I can do 20 or 30 minutes twice a week, that's not hard. I mean, they're sold because they already will see the benefits from getting stronger. I mean, their daily tasks will become so much simpler. And, you know... I can sympathize with, with moms, especially, you know, for a new mom, like not only is time crunched, you may not be sleeping right. And there are all mm. kinds of things that are wrong. Um, and so there are, there are different ways that you can approach it. You can be like, well, if, if you are not able to dedicate this much time to yourself, what's that saying about your own long-term health? I mean, I, I, I firmly believe that a, a stronger mom is a better mom. And if you can just get them past the initial phase of, of how little it's going to take and how much better they're going to feel after that, I think that, that they'll be sold. I mean, again, it's, it, it, I don't want to say that they have excuses because that's, it's not true. Like there are very legitimate excuses, as you point out, you have a sick child and stuff, you know? So it, it's, it's a matter of, of coming up with ways to, to bypass, you know, any of the things they might come up with by saying, you know, okay, well, as a new mother, I can get it. Like a lot of people be like, I don't want to go to the gym because I'm so self-conscious. I'm still in my maternity clothes, mm. right? Like they don't even feel like they want to be in a public setting. So, I mean, the one benefit I can provide is I have an in-home gym setting so people can come to me and it's, it's very comfortable. They don't feel like they have the world looking on them. And I, and I get that. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do at home. You and I know this, right? Resistance bands or dumbbells. And I, you know, I have that program that I, that I, my stay at home mm -hmm. strong program. You can do all the weight training at home. You don't have to go to the gym. You can Watch it. I mean, now there's YouTube videos, countless programs that you could just do online from from the privacy of your home. Um, another one that I hear a lot is I'm just too tired. I'm not sleeping enough. Mm. So it's about, you know, is there a better way that you can manage your stress or your sleep? Take a nap, enlist help. You know, uh, if you have a partner or a husband or somebody, a nanny or somebody who can come and just help you at least get some rest and, you know, caught up with some self-care you'll have some extra time to dedicate to strength training. So those are at least a couple of things that I think new moms have to deal with. Definitely. And I'll uh, link your ebook uh, below uh, so that people can check that out. Um, it was very, very useful. I really enjoyed uh, having read through that. And yeah. uh, what I wanted to talk about next was, you know, for those women who are a little bit more time poor, maybe only able to train two to three times a week, but they're, you know, beyond those beginner stages uh, where they'll, you know, just need some body weight or, you know, uh, light um, resistance type training. What are some of the techniques you use to ensure they get an effective training stimulus um, mm -hmm. and that they're actually, you know, 
able to make some measurable progress uh, in their training because we know how important it is to have goals and to see the you know the small wins and the little uh, success that we get by you know adding a couple of pounds in your case kilos in mine uh, to the bar um, you know a few extra reps and you know seeing progress because um, we know how hard it is uh, to make you know progress in the gym when we're not consistent um, but how do you uh, go about that for your mother clients so find out what their find out what their goal is i mean mm-hmm. if you if you could just dig deep and get get behind the real why of what it is they want to accomplish so let's say somebody comes up with you know i just want to be able i just want to be able to do a couple of push-ups like that is easy we can fix that you know we can we can start them on a program where they're you know gradually building up to doing more than you know a couple on their knees and that's one way to do it and, and show that there's progress again it the way I do it here is, you know, I try to keep it, I try to keep the sessions as short as possible because everybody is so super busy. So we'll, you know, generally we'll do a 30 minute session where we're moving between upper and lower body exercises. So they're moving the whole time and they're feeling that they're constantly engaged and constantly moving. And, you know, you, the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to beat them up, right? Mm-hmm. You want to let them, leave them feeling like they're, they're more empowered and stronger because as much as we joke around and, you know, we make fun of them and we're like, are you sore the next day? It's like, that's not ultimately what our goal is, right? We want to make them feeling empowered so that they come back for more and I think once they get in the program of actually enjoying it and it's fun and you know personal training is it's personal like you have to match the energy level of the client and you have to keep it motivated you have to keep them motivated so and everyone does it differently so I'm sure you have your own methods and I do too so um as long as you're not as long as your goal is not to actually beat them up or break them down they'll come back for more yeah I uh to be honest I approach my uh a lot of my busy clients or my, uh, I call them lifestyle clients, those who, you know, training is uh, a very small part of their lifestyle and, you know, they're looking to improve general health, how they feel, yeah. look, those kind of things. Uh, yeah, very yeah. similar approach, Sumi. I, uh, antagonist supersets or upper and lower yeah. supersets, I think, yeah, definitely getting uh, more training volume in a shorter window using uh, sure. techniques like that is a very useful strategy. So, yeah. For the listeners, that's a, always a good way to get a little more bang for your buck uh, when you're pressed for time. So that was mm-hmm. awesome, Sumi. And training postpartum. This is something that I thought we, we could have a chat about because I know uh, you work very closely with Lyle and Lyle is uh, is the female physiology expert. Um, and you know some of the things that I've seen with my partner uh, when she was training after pregnancy, it was just massive fluctuations uh, in energy levels. Obviously, you know the disturbed sleep, like you started to touch on. Uh, we sort of, you know, uh, briefly outlined, you know, getting some self care and using those around you uh, to improve, you know, your rest and recovery. Um, but during those phases after pregnancy, you know, for the first six, 12 months and, you know, potentially, um, you know, up to 18 months, depending on how long the mother breastfeeds and things like that. Um, what kind of things are you looking for as a coach? Um, you know, when you're monitoring, just knowing that there's so much variance, um, you know, in that lifestyle management. Yeah. Um, the number one thing I think that we all should always ask is, you know, do you have, do you have doctor's clearance? Because you just never know where they're at in their recovery. So if somebody's had, you know, a C-section, C-section yeah. and they think that they're, you know, ready after six weeks, um, that may not necessarily be true. So I would, number one above everything else is to see if, if you've gotten clearance from their doctor. Um, the other thing is, you know, if they're, if they're nursing or they're breastfeeding, that will impact how you train them because, you know, their breasts may be full, you may not, you know, 
you have to encourage them to take more water breaks. No plyometrics um, or uh, chest supported rows, right? They <laughs> <laughs> express before they train with you, that sort of thing. So these are these are small small considerations that yeah. you want to make them feel like you actually care about their mm. recovery, um, because certain movements are just going to be more comfortable for them. So even even things like you know getting them up and down off the floor might you know, because they're having a hard time, um, they may be embarrassed to do that. So you really want to be aware of how they feel and how they're moving. And obviously you want to start super slow. Um, you know, whatever that means to that person at that time. And they may think that they're ready for, you know, something like heavy squats, but they're not, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, it's a matter of common sense. It really is. And working with them one-on-one to see how they're feeling and where they're, where they're at in their recovery. Yeah, because I mean, for most of them, they just want to feel better, and that doesn't take a whole lot on our part to do. You know, it's not going to take heavy, heavy weight training, at least not in that initial phase. Awesome, awesome. And let's move on to the heavy weight training. So, powerlifting for females is obviously uh, increasing in popularity. It's something that yeah. uh, a lot of women now are starting to partake in, and obviously. Social media plays a big role in that, um, and it's great to see. I coach yes. a lot of female powerlifters. I would almost say that on my athlete roster, maybe 60% of my powerlifters, maybe 60%, wow. 70% are females now, which is really, really cool, and they're varying from ages of like 18 through to you know mid-40s, which is awesome. So I'm a yeah. big, big fan of powerlifting uh, for females because I think it uh, teaches them a number of really important skills such as obviously lifting um, and then just embracing you know the progression in strength um, and I like what you said before you know a strong mum uh, is a healthy mum was that the exact phrase I think I, I got that wrong a better mum better mum and, I, and I, think, I think that applies to females in general so um, what I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, what have you seen to be some of the benefits, um, you know, from your powerlifting experience and, you know, the time you've spent with the sport? So much fun to be strong. I mean, it's, it's the one thing where, you know, you're not at all focused on aesthetics. It's about how you perform. So, you know, and for very, I mean, I'm, I'm 42 now and for a very, very long time I did the whole aesthetics thing because I did, uh, you know, fitness modeling where... It is about how you look and it's about how your muscles pop and your tan and all that stuff. And this is this has nothing to do with that. Nobody cares if you have abs and nobody cares if you have cellulite. And it's not about how you look, it's how you perform. And it's about and for women that's super empowering is gradually adding a little bit of weight to the bar every single time. Um, it's about watching the numbers go up and how, you know, even being heavier and having more body weight is like a really good thing because that's more muscle and more mass means, you know, you can push more. So I think, and it, and you're right, the last, the last meet that I did was an all female meet. And the coolest thing about it was there were so many masters, like so many I mean, women above, women above 40 who are participating, which right. is amazing. That's awesome. I mean, it's not, I mean, it tends to be, it tends to be obviously dominated by the, by the gals who are in their twenties and they're the juniors and are super, super strong, but it doesn't mean that just because you're not super, super strong, you can't participate in powerlifting. And I think that's the number one myth that yeah. I don't know if it is for that for men, but for women is they'll say, well, I'm just not strong enough. I mean, I still think that way about myself. <laughs> I don't never think that you're strong enough, but if that's your attitude then you never do it. But I mean, you are, and that's great. I mean, at, at these meets and we, there are, there are women who are like in their sixties who they might just be squatting the bar, but everyone cheers for them just as hard as they're cheering for the gal who's squatting, you know, over 400 pounds. I think it's really cool. So for but the fact that it, it's all about focusing on performance and accomplishment is a beautiful thing because this is what we want to teach our kids too mm. is about 
you know, a, attaining little, little things, even if it takes us. And, you know, again, with, with my daughter always around me, she sees, she comes to the meets and she's seen how I've performed every single time. And it's always just like this, this much more, a little bit more each time, but it's always progress. And it's always, it's always about um, putting in the work to see a benefit. So I think these are all really good things for, for moms and for, for women, especially for, you know, little girls to see that sort of thing. And we see, you know, even thanks to Instagram, there are, you know, eight year olds who are outlifting me. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I definitely think that uh, both uh, bodybuilding um, and powerlifting are sports that teach delayed gratification and learning to, you know, put in the work for, you know, many, many months, often years before you see just the smallest of improvements, um, which is, I think, a very, very uh, important skill to to pass on. And, you know, what were some of the things that uh, I guess you were fearful of when you first started powerlifting? Um, You would have spoken about, you know, I'm sure one of them earlier in that, Mm. um, you know, you just didn't think you were strong enough. Um, But what were some of the other things, you know, from a female's perspective um, that you were worried about? Um, and so the first, the first meet I went to and the first way I went to, I, um, was weighing in right after one of like, perhaps one of the strongest females I have ever met. And she was, she was a beast, like just, just jacked and lean. And, you know, she, she was that perfect powerlifter build where they're just kind of like short, petite and totally stacked, you know, which is great. You have the right limb length for powerlifting. And I mean, she's maybe all of 4'11". And then here I walk in right next to her, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, Think about like somebody you're compressing down and she's just all muscle, 140 pounds of like solid muscle. And here I am, 110 pounds, you know, five foot five. And <laughs> I looked at her and I'm like, I don't belong here. <laughs> I'm like Bambi next to a beast, you know? So that was one of the things like, oh, what have I done? What have I signed up for? You know, this is going to be awful. I'm going to be in. Sure enough, I was, I think, I must have been opening with, like, the lightest squat. It didn't really matter. Like, it didn't matter. Like, because it was my first meet, you know, I thought, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm first to open on squat. I'm going to be the first to open on bench, probably the first on deadlift. So I was very concerned about where I was in relation to mm-hmm. everybody else who was so much stronger. But as soon as I started lifting, none of that mattered. Like, mm-hmm. I was just having so much fun. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to me, like, what I was lifting because people were so encouraging. I mean, even in the warm-up room, I was warming up with – I mean, the weights that I was warming up with were, I'm, I'm sure, a joke to the to the other girls. There, but it didn't really matter. Nobody cared. Everybody was so helpful, you know, loading the bar, taking off the weights. Like, it, it, just, it was such a positive first experience for me. And I actually ended up doing really well, which is, which is great. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I learned a lot from it. I made a lot of mistakes, and I didn't look at it like – Oh my God, what a failure! Because I just I didn't have that mindset. I knew I'm either I'm going to learn something that's no, no matter what. And I mean, I'm always amazed about the girls who can go in there and get nine for nine in their first meet. Like I screwed up on a lot of stuff. Like I missed commands and all that stuff that you that a lot of people do on their first meet, and even experienced lifters would do. I'm like, don't worry about it. We've done that before. So it's just a really supportive crowd of people. I, I mean, it's, it's it is really nice to see more women in this sport. Yeah, I completely agree. It's one of the most uplifting sports that I've been a part of and you're totally right when saying that it is just competition against yourself at the end of the day, you know, Um, and there's not much more to it than that if you just continue to beat your own lifts um, and get better and better over time, you know, you will 
achieve you know excellence by your own standards uh, in the sport and it's not necessarily uh, too important what anyone else is lifting so yeah some yeah. awesome points there Sumi and the final thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, a little more diet related but I guess uh, it's kind of in tune to uh, you know developing strength and you know training for powerlifting um, and that is the importance of gaining weight so yeah. what I see quite a lot is the perpetual dieting cycle uh, that is you know people are always trying to lose fat they're always you know they're either on the diet completely off the diet and gaining weight they're gaining weight um, but yeah. a completely uh, erratic and uncontrolled manner and you know as you and I both know weight gain uh, at an appropriate rate uh, based on you know your level of advancements your goals things like that um, is a yep. lot more difficult and still takes uh, some degree of restraint uh, for some people um, yep. but again you know like you were saying the demographics that you work with a lot of the women uh, are likely wanting to slim down but they can't always be in a deficit or even a yep. maintenance you know all the time there's yep. going to be a period where they need to you know hey we've got to eat a little more food now it's time to, to gain a couple of kilos. You've lost 10. You know, we need to gain one or two and just, you know, get you healthy and make sure that you're not, uh, you know, burning yourself out and running into the ground, so to speak. So how do you broach that? How do you start to, to teach women that weight gain is okay um, and that, you know, it's something we need to learn if uh, yeah. we want to improve our health, body composition and strength long term? Um, I don't know who said it, but there's that saying that's kind of been bounced around on social media. You cannot sculpt a pebble. And I think a lot of women, I, I wish I knew, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish I knew now what I knew that then. Like when I was preparing for my very first um, physique um, role, I, I, I think I had pulled out uh, a photograph from like Oxygen Magazine and like showed it to my coach. This is what I want to look like. And back then, I, I mean, this was 20 years ago. I did not have any measurable muscle mass. I just wanted to look like her and have the abs. You know, I had some semblance of muscle because I was, generally athletic, but I don't have what I have now, but you know, I'm 20 years down the line and I wish I knew now what I knew then, which is, you know, it takes like at least, I mean, at least five years or so of just progressively adding weight to the bar. I mean, it takes such a long time to build muscle and none of that's going to happen in the deficit. Like the newbie gains are the best gains you're ever going to make. Like, you know, it's, 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 Perfectly anabolic, right? It's like when the very first time that you're doing it, if I, if I knew then, like, I would have eaten so much, like, I would have started off that path and I would have just added much more weight. Like, now I'm 42 years old. I can't beat myself up the way I did when I was in my 20s. And that kind of recovery that you get when you're, you know, really young and you're just eating and you're lifting. Um, and I, I think it was Eric Helms in one of these podcasts that said, you know, in the first, in the first five years, I mean, it's just, it's all about, it's all about progressively adding body weight and and weight to the bar and i'm probably going to butcher what he said but essentially is like there's no sense in trying to cut down if in the first five years you haven't really built up anything that's where you're all the measures uh, measurable strength progress is going to be made the best years i think so but you know it's what, what good is the dude i can't talk to myself 20 years ago but yeah, yeah. if so if somebody was to say to me well i want to look like this person for instance i guess some clients would be like well i want to look like you then I have to remind them, like, I have been doing this so long. It is so hard to put on muscle. It's so hard to put on weight. And to maintain a certain size, you have to keep on eating. Like, I have the kind of body that's uh, it's meant more for endurance. Like, if, if I didn't lift weights and if I didn't eat as much as I did, I would be really small. Like, my body likes to be very tiny and very lean, like that, that runner build. 
you know? So for in order for me to keep any of that on, it's all about keeping the stimulus on all the time. So none of this is easy. Awesome. Awesome. And if there were three things that you would want to pass on to any mothers, three random piece of advice, experiences, or little tidbits that you've found useful, uh, what would they be, Sumi? Um, sorry, the dog distracted me. <laughs> Don't get a dog that's going to distract you for one. <laughs> that's okay. I think that, that being stronger, obviously, enables you to do a lot more as a mom. You know, if, if you're able to lift a certain amount of weight, <laughs> it's completely fine, Sumi. <laughs> Everything becomes easier when you're stronger. I mean, you know, you, you feel so empowered, the kind of strength that you get from being in the gym and knowing that you can do a certain thing and knowing that you can move your body in a certain way, just it, it trickles down to all the other corners of your life. You know, whether it's you feeling, you know, empowered to go to the groceries or move, you know, furniture or throw something at the dogs to keep them quiet. You know, all these things um, will help you. I think they just, they, they trickle down to all aspects of your life and not just, not just weight training. Like you, one good habit, I think tends to lead to another. So you started on like that one thing. It doesn't matter what it is. Like we look at, we look at fitness at like all these things that we have to do to be strong or to be healthy. But if you could just do the one thing and the one thing leads to another thing, which leads to another thing. These are all, I think, good things as a mom and, um, especially if you're raising children, you know, as a, well, obviously if you're mom, that's great. <laughs> Thanks, dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, Sumi. The other day I was on a podcast with uh, Brian Miner and um, my daughter woke up, my eldest daughter, she runs in, she goes, Daddy. And Brian yeah, was like yeah. full, you know, he was uh, going at it and doing his thing and I was like, oh, no, what do I do? <laughs> uh, but it's okay. It happens. Well, I think you'd ask for a couple more things too, right? Which is, um, you know, obviously lift lift weights and be consistent. Um, things are going to take time. I think we all we need to preach that message that there's no there's no quick fix. We all need to keep saying that again and again and again because this is something that's always targeted towards moms. That there is something that they can do. It's a, whether it's a juice cleanse or whatever, you know, whatever that's being marketed towards them. It's whatever it is. It's always going to take longer than you think, and it's always going to take more work than you want. But it's going to be worth it in the end because those are the results that you're going to maintain. Um, if you can do it, you know, via habits, I think that's a great thing because these are the things that are going to um, stick with you longer than having to just, you know, quickly lose a bunch of weight and then wondering how are you going to maintain it, you know. If you can do the juice thing for the rest of your life, great, but most likely you're not going to do that. So might as well get on a path that's more consistent and that, you know, you can do and that you can adhere to forever and ever. Awesome, Sumi. Thank you so much. And guys, uh, make sure you check the description box below. Uh, I'm going to link uh, some of Sumi's work there. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on, Sumi. We really appreciate it. And Thank if you guys. have any questions for Sumi, make sure that you uh, comment. Uh, and I'm sure that she'll uh, engage with you all. She's fantastic on her social media and uh, getting interactive with a lot of the people that uh, she works with and the community as a whole. So thank you, Sumi. I saw the baby in the back. <laughs> See, I told you. Seven o'clock. This was exactly when she came in when she knows now. I hope she's feeling better. <laughs> Jacob, thank you so much for waking up so early in the morning to chat with me. I really appreciate it. You've had such terrific guests on your podcast and um, really honored to be here. Thank you. Not a problem. Thank you, Sumi.